It's finally here. Bigger, faster, stronger. It's time to put on the pads. Faster, quicker, more agile. And make some noise. You got it. Just leveled. Wow. Your defending AFC South champion, Houston Texans, are back for training camp. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. Welcome to Texans Training Camp Live. Your sideline pass to everything that's going on with your Houston Texans. Texans Training Camp Live is presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors and by Geico and Papa John's Houston. Now, let's go down to the Houston Methodist Training Center. Here are your hosts, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Close enough, we crossed the street. We're in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio today. I love NFL football and air conditioning as well. <laughs> yes, Almost we equally. Do. I mean, don't make me pick. <laughs> do not make me select between one or the other, okay? If you live in the north, you know, air conditioning, you only need it like five days a year. The rest of the time, you're fine. But here, a little bit longer. Anyway, we're inside because they have a day off today. We have a lot of stuff to get to today. We're going to take an early glimpse at the 53, some real tight position groups that that need a long look by this coaching staff, and I'm sure that's some of the stuff they're going over today. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, by the way. And John McClain's going to be with us and maybe a little overtime from the general because he's coming in. He's coming in live here in the building and it's going to be big. I think he's going to meet with the coaches. No, he's not. He's uh. not meeting with the coaches. <laughs> I think that what you need to do. No, he's not going to do that. No, he's not. Uh, I thought for today we could break down running backs because that seemed like it was a big talking point yesterday. So 9 a.m. It's for a couple of days. I know. And, and I think because uh, when Bill O'Brien stood up there and he talked about, you know, with the general. In fact, we'll get his thoughts on that because the general – said, well, you know, who are going to be your guys after your top two? And Bill said, well, who are the top two? And General didn't back down. He said, well, Miller and Foreman. He said, well, Miller. Yeah. So it's – and it's been an interesting group to watch. I think that's our group to break down at 9 o'clock. All right, well, okay, but I have a homework assignment for you between now and 9 o'clock. Oh, oh, boy. All right, so this is going to be tough. you got to tell me how many of these guys – I want to really figure out the special teams thing. It's funny with special teams, Johnny, because – we look, I mean, you and I had a little argument about, not an argument, but a, a little mini debate about special teams and how many guys on the roster figure into this whole thing. When they practice special teams at practice, yeah. to me, that is the most boring part of NFL practice, special teams. Now, I'm sure to Brad Seeley, that is the most exciting thing mm-hmm. you can, of course, it's his area, right? Right. And it's fun to see, oh, who's returning this kick because they rotate guys. It's training camp. They're trying to get a look at right. different people. But they can't – I mean, you talk about not being able to simulate game situations. You cannot even get close to it on special teams. Yeah. It's just all lining guys up in the choreography. I use that word a lot, maybe too much, but I do, so get over it. So, to me, I, I just want to see how many guys figure into special teams because he's right. Bill O'Brien's right when he talks about special teams is going to determine a lot of this, folks. Like, we talked about it yesterday with the with wide receivers and DeAndre Carter. Is he – is his returnability going to overcome whatever might be? I'm not saying anything's lacking as a slot guy yeah. backing up Kiki QT, but uh, if that were the case, how do you balance all that out? I think there's a lot to get to. No question. And I think the other aspect becomes how many guys, like last year's team, how many guys were strictly on the 46-man game day roster, or 53-man roster, but 46-man roster game day, strictly – because they were core four special teamers. 
how right. many of those guys can you yeah. afford to have on the field? Because when you think of the, the teams throughout the league, you know, I think about the Patriots. They always had Nate Abner and they had Matt Slater. Those two were just strictly special teams outside a, of your specialist punter, kicker, long right. snapper. But in a disaster, you've got to be able to do the job, right? Slater yeah. for the Patriots has to be able to play some wideout. You don't want him right. to right. if you're them. Although I'd love to see him as their number one guy, Johnny. <laughs> There's something that tells me if he ended up being the number one guy, he'd catch like 85 yeah, passes for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. Thank you. It would backfire. In My little sinister way, shape, plan would backfire on me. I interviewed him, by the way, at the Pro Bowl yeah. uh, back when OB was first hired back in 2014 yeah. because I wanted to get a Patriot reaction. He said nice things, and he's a, he's a good dude. But, gosh, how about that? That was 2014. He's still on the squad Still making Pro Bowls. Is this ridiculous? Uh, I'm sure Bill O'Brien talks about him in these meetings. Do you know he talks about Matthew I, Slater in these meetings? There's no question because this guys lived a whole NFL life just on the special teams prowess. When you think of a guy like Matt Slater, and I didn't, even, I didn't think we'd talk about this. And people are like, who? Believe me, he's been with this squad. He's been a Pro Bowler on special teams. I he's don't know got how many at least years. he's got at least three rings. He's he's a captain. He's yeah. been he's been a captain. Yeah. He's one of the focal points in that locker room, mm-hmm. and he was drafted in a late round as a wide receiver at UCLA, but they looked at him and said, you're, you're a special teams guy, and he has been kind of their key special teams guy for years. I mean, and you, teams have to account for him, but the Texans stinks, had those guys last year. You know what stinks about being a guy like Matthew Slater? Every year, every year it's, it's good and it's bad. It's good from a, ooh, look at the competition standpoint. It's bad from a Matthew Slater family standpoint. Every year, he's, I bet he fears getting cut. Absolutely. You know, he's like, no one's going to take my spot, but Absolutely. they get a young buck in there who's going to ball out on special teams and be a slightly better wide receiver if he can match what Slater does, which might be difficult in their yes. eyes. And, and I don't want to belabor the Patriots point here, but the point is this. You said how many guys are on that 46, never mind the 53, the 46, who are just there for special teams. And I went on to say they have to be able to play in a pinch. Buddy Howe has to be able to carry yes. the ball and know the pass protection if – they get decimated at running back through the course of a game. Uh, you have Brian Peters, who was on the squad yep. for a while. He has to know how to play inside linebacker. And he did. He had to go in there a few times. And, and he had did. To play. And, you know, they, and they've done different things. Peter Callumby has had to move to inside linebacker. They've done different things. Who else? Scarlett? Yeah, Scarlett. I mean, Scarlett started last year in 2018, and he was a core four special teamer. He was there with Buddy Howe and Joe Webb. And Johnson Batamosi yep. and A.J. Moore, they were all kind of this group of five. I mean, they were on every special team. Dylan Cole, when Dylan was healthy, they were all in those special teams together. And then some injuries started taking place, and Brennan had to go get some reps on defense. Then they got banged up inside linebacker when Zach went down. So then Brennan had to go in there inside linebacker and get some reps inside linebacker. Remember he had to pick at Washington Yep, right before the oh, half? Yeah. And that was big. That was an inside linebacker. And, yeah. you know, he's he's gone back to his natural position out on the edge this year because Dylan's healthy, Zach's healthy, and you know, they feel pretty good about it. They've got an inside linebacker. So he's gone back to the outside. But, you know, that's obviously what you, you have to be able to do. But, yeah, you're right. A guy like Matthew Slater, every year, he but he understands his role. And I think that's the one thing. When we talk to, to Bill, we talk to the, the coaches and even the players, understanding what your role is. My role is this, and I, I think A.J. Moore is a great example of that. A.J. Moore knew last year that his role was to fly down on special teams and make something happen on those four special teams. Yeah, Go beat a blocker, go make a tackle, 
go tie up three blockers, let somebody else make the tackle, make an impact on special teams. Because defensively, probably not going to happen. You had Tyron Matthew at safety. You had Andre Howe at safety. You had Justin Reed as a rookie. You even had Kareem that could go back there. Uh, you brought in a guy like Mike Tyson back there. He was not going to get time at safety. He didn't really know the defense. He had just gotten here. But he spent the year digesting the defense. And now he comes back, and he's got to be one of the four guys at safety. So he's got to be ready to play, and I think he's showing that on the field. But he got on the field, and he's getting reps on the field in large part because he killed it on special teams last year. But he knew what his role was, You know what? that's huge for those guys. You know what he appears to have just based on practice? So we'll see if it translates into games. Ball magnetism. Okay? That's key. Ball mag, and and some guys have it. You, you know, Reed Reed has it. Yeah, Justin Reed has he it. He absolutely and has it. Sometimes it's not even. I made a tremendous play for a pick. It's I just was in the right place at the right time, and I got the carom yeah. for the interception. Quinton Demps when he had seven picks for this team. Andre Howe always seemed to be always. around. The, now the one he made in the back of the end zone last year. What game was that? The Browns. Oh, that was a great yeah, pick. Yeah, Baker went deep. What, Baker went deep. Because I mean, he, he was like a receiver. He's the deepest guy, and he's had to get the toes in and that everything. Was ridiculous. It was a great pick. So I'm not saying they don't have ability, but they have that extra. For some reason, the ball finds them, and it's awesome. All right, let's get to some hot reads here. We're in studio today. Day off. Bill O'Brien and the staff, what are they doing today? Players are off. Look, I was just in the dining room, and, and guys are trickling in, and they're doing treatment and weightlifting and things like that, but it's a good day to get off their feet. But the coaches, they might be off their feet, but they're grinding. Coaching staff and then all the all the uh, departments, you know, we all get together and talk about where we're at right now. Everybody from the training room to the scouting staff to equipment room, we all, we all have meetings during the day, and there's a lot of great communication in the – organization going on it's awesome and then with the players it'll be a big rest day or a rehab day get caught up on some film um come on in and you know obviously they don't have to be in here but uh they will open a weight room for a regen deal and all those types of things so it's a it's a it's a good day for everybody you know what when i get home at the end of the day if i just want to kick my feet up and watch tv and not do anything around the house i'm just going to say i i need a regen (laughs) It's a regen, Johnny. It's a regen. That's day. what it is, guys. When you get home at the end of the day, and or on the weekend, you got the honeydews or whatever. Yeah. Just say now, this is regen time. Yeah, I got okay? regen. I got to watch this golf tournament. It's only going to be six hours of viewing, so uh, it's regen. That's what it is. Uh, I don't know if we, that's going to fly all, for most people. We all people. need regen. The, yeah. uh, the older we get. Yeah, we do. I love regen. <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> that's definitely joining my <laughs> vocabulary all right another hot read from yesterday and and this was really gr- great news and this is why you have to listen to the show because we tell you who's at practice who's dressed who's not it was great to see what on day one with the arm brace we reported that reported that we let you know that on this very program but the next hot read involves a guy we were just talking about in the defensive backfield after a great rookie season he's back justin reed after being on the nfi list for a few days but he's raring to go i spent a lot of time with ryan clark he's one of my guys former safety for the steelers 13 years uh, in the league uh, i was training with guys like you know landon collins and shaja everett there's really like 14 of us over in arizona we spent a lot of time on footwork we did film review uh personally i had a lot of conversations with my older brother Eric Reed, and we just talk ball, and you know, he's actually happens to be in the conference of the teams that we're playing for the games with, so I get to talk ball with him about the teams upcoming on our schedule, like New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina themselves, and Tampa, so we've really just been diving in on the mental side of the game more, handling myself physically, and uh, my big focus for the offseason was really my legs, because I want to be even more explosive out of my breaks in order to cover that half yard 
because we all know football is a game of inches. You know, those inches make a difference. So I want to be able to put myself in the right position to make plays. Justin Reed, he has not missed leg day. Leg day important to all these guys, and he Absolutely. certainly has not missed his. The other nugget out of there, Eric Reed with the Panthers, yes. right? And playing that NFC, uh, NFC South, mm-hmm. the division that the Texans are playing yep. in the NFC, that's great to get the intel from him. No it's doubt. in Eric Reed's best interest to feed intel to brother when he faces New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. Now when they match up against Carolina, another story. But it's in his best interest. Look, I'm going to root for all those mm-hmm. NFC South teams against the AFC South teams, and except us. It, it goes the other way, too. When the Panthers, it's it's in our best interest for Justin to yeah. share as much as he's got right. on the Colts, the Titans, and the Jags yep. with Eric. Hey, when you phase this team, this is what you need. So it's going to be a good sharing situation. How about the fact that 10% of the starting free safeties in this league came from one high school? Eric, Eric and Justin and Landon Collins all went to the same high school in Baton Rouge. That's amazing. I mean, that's incredible to think about. Yeah. Three of them from the same high school. Very cool stuff. I mean, that's it's – it's amazing. I mean, those three players and the secondary coach is like, "Yeah, I'm really good." You, you think? Did Landon Collins say something about Dave Gettleman about warm ups and be careful? I, he, and, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, he 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 may have. I, I mean, mean, he he may have. Man, I saw Landon Collins on uh, NF, what, uh, the NFL Network's training camp show, mm-hmm. and he was after practice, and he was just on set. And there's some guys you just see. And you're, you just have – I have body envy. And I'm like, oh, my God, Landon Collins is built like mar- – he chiseled out of marble. Yeah, he said um, he'd run over Dave Gettleman. So be careful in warm-ups. Oh, he's Dave got an Gettleman. edge. Is, Landon- that a, is that a threat? I mean, can you, like, arrest somebody for that? Well, I mean, he made it. He made it. He verbalized it. Yeah. Get a warning or something. Okay. Coming up on the program, John McClain's going to join us at 830. So the general will give us some of his info. We've got Jaleel Adai, who <laughs> – I, I cannot – I'm going to tell you all about this guy. This guy's fantastic. Got him from the San Diego Chargers, 16 games. Fantastic. I don't mean he's been to five Pro Bowls necessarily. I mean he's a fantastic guy, and he's a good safety. He's going to help this football team. You're going to hear Drew's dirty dozen with him, among other things, coming up. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Texans – Back to Texans Training Camp Live. No practice today. We're inside Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Now, the Texans have added a lot on the O-line, added a lot in the defensive backfield. And we're going to break down running backs at 9. And John McClain comes up at 8.30, by the way. So, safeties. Boy, it's been different, right? Andre Howell retires. Tyron Mm -hmm. Matthews in Kansas City. So, you pick up Tashawn Gibson as a free agent. From the Jacksonville Jaguars, formerly Cleveland as well. And I don't know if you've heard from him, folks, but uh, he's definitely interesting. I, I like these guys. And Jalil Adai, who, that was an under-the-radar, a little bit of a later signing, yeah, right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was later in the process. And it was I want, It was definitely after the draft. So mm-hmm. when they – and it so Andre Howe retired before the draft. So people thought, well, you know, they'll address the safety position before that. And they didn't in the draft. Now, some people surmised in the draft community that, well, because there was no more Tyron Matthew, Andre Howard retired, that maybe they would move Lonnie Johnson to safety. I do not think that is the play. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do not think that is going to happen. And so we went into the offseason with Tashawn Gibson, Justin Reed, and, and a few other guys, and then Jalil Dye became available, and they jumped all over it. And I, I just remember thinking – 
Boy, this could be a pretty kind of sneaky hot signing. He started 16 games for a team that a lot of people feel is going to go to the Super Bowl yeah. this year, and they kind of forget that he's not on the team anymore. It's one of those deals, right? Right, right. He, they, they won a playoff game. They're a good squad, and right. he was a starting safety for this team, and you don't even have him penciled in to start necessarily. Right, and there's a lot of different things you can do with him, and I, I've said this before. I was, I was not in front of my TV at the start of the wild card game, Baltimore and, and L.A., because it was clean-up day for us. And so I was on the way home, and I was listening to the broadcast. And as I was listening to the broadcast on the way home, I kept hearing them say the Chargers are playing seven defensive backs. They're playing seven defensive backs. I'm like, whoa, how does that look? What do they look? So I get home, and as I'm watching, I'm like, who's playing linebacker? And it's Adrian Phillips, the safety, and Jalil Atai. They played inside linebacker those so, two so were playing inside back linebacker. seven so you went back seven so they played their front four with melvin ingram and joey bosa and their two inside so guys. they're trying to do that so they can keep up with jackson when he runs right exactly and that was kind of that was kind of the point and they did a really good job with it and got a lead they had a big lead and then it kind of plays to your advantage because now you got seven defensive backs in the field when you know lamar's got to throw the ball but yeah. lamar got him back in the game but point being the defense was so good and that day in large part because they've got two safeties playing linebacker. And Jalila died, didn't play safety or played linebacker like a safety. He played linebacker like a linebacker. So you've got some different things that you can do. When you go dime, I always think about when we went dime a few years ago, Eddie Pleasant would be that guy. And Eddie was the kind of guy uh, that when he was in college, you never knew what position Eddie played. It was right. like he's a safety, he's a linebacker. Like, which one is he? Well, the dime linebacker spot was perfect for him because you're like he plays both, and he did a pretty good job there for this Texans team for for a while. So for those that don't know, dime six defensive backs, yes, seven DBs is dollar, right? I think so. I think that's what they call I think it. You call it dollar? I think, uh, yeah, I think you call what it. What happened dollar. to the fifty cent piece? Yeah, I don't know. It's what about a Susan B. Anthony dollar as opposed to a paper dollar? No, it's oh. just it's just dollar okay. because there's yeah, there's just a lot more defensive backs. We at one point, I think it was in 2014. We put seven defensive backs out on the field one time. I know that was one time, but that was against the Eagles. I remember counting the DBs going, whoa. Well, we when you seven. have Cunningham or Cole out there, they have great coverage ability, right. and that's kind of, it's not it, that, but it's right. along those lines. No, but you're right. right. That's exactly right. That's exactly when, when they drafted Zach Cunningham. That was the first thing that popped out. If Zach doesn't start immediately, that's a role he's going to jump into. When Dylan Cole's out on the field, that's a role that he steps into. But now – Depending on who you're facing and how dangerous their three or four wide receiver package ends up being, or even five wide receiver package, maybe you want a safety on the field. Hmm. You do like having Dylan on the field. You love having Zach on the field. But maybe you have Dylan and Zach and Jalil. Maybe it's one of those situations where you want to get, you want to be ultra fast in coverage. Maybe that's something you end up doing down the road. There's just a lot of different things you can do with the die because he is, using that word again, the versatility word, which some people don't want to hear. But that's, that's great in a veteran. And he's a guy that will talk with anybody. Well, we have guys on this roster who were really good at other sports before, like Darren Fells was a pro yes. basketball player overseas. Very true. You have Kahale Waring, really good water polo player in high school. And Jalila Dye, not only good at football, but good at football as well. Drew's Dirty Dozen with Drew Doherty. It's one of my favorite guys to talk with because you're a hell of a soccer player. Maybe not anymore, but at one time you were great, weren't you? I was pretty good, I'd like to say that. Tell us about that. There's more to it than, quote-unquote, being pretty good. Well, I started when I was like three years old. My dad's originally from um, West Africa, Ghana, 
Um, and so that was our family first sport. I played travel ball all the way up to 18 years old, played across seas and played with against Costa Rica's U-17 national team. And then when it got down to it, when I was 18, which one did I want to choose, football or soccer? Um, my true love, you know, with football being America's number one sport, I chose football. And it was a good choice because you have been an excellent football player. So let's get into these questions. What is your best football trait? Um, I'm physical. I like I like to hit. I like to impose my will. And, and the passion that I play, with, I play the game with, um, I play with a lot of energy. And I think that I, I like to say that my teammates feed off of that. Which of your teammates is the messiest? The messiest? I don't know that one yet. I think it was pretty pretty clean for, for right now. It's early in camp, though, so get back to me on that. That's a good political answer. I'll give it to you just because you're new, but I'd have pressed you on this if you'd have been around the team a little bit longer. <laughs> Who's the tightest teammate so far, you think? I think I am. You know, my locker's very organized. I think I get my OCD when I have everything um, in order for my wife, Lindsay. Uh, she's, that's grown on me from her. That's a good type of OCD, though, right? Very good, very good. What's your typical breakfast like on a training camp day? Four organic shelled eggs with spinach, cheddar cheese on the top after it's scrambled, three slices of avocado, bacon, water, and orange juice. I can see a little bit of this OCD because most guys have just said bacon, eggs, toast, fruit. You were very specific. Same meal every day. Favorite retired NFL player is? My favorite NFL player, rest in peace, is Sean Taylor. Best hair on the Texans? Best hair on the Texans, I would have to say, is between... I'm a dreadhead guy, so I got to go with me, Hop, and Fuller. Okay, you've been named by a few other of your teammates who have done this, so that's a good thing to have on a, on a first you know, first half year on a team. Much love, much love. Teammate that gets you the most excited, gets you amped up the most on a daily basis. Teammate that gets me most excited and amped up on a daily basis, I would have to say... I don't know, I would have to say JJ, man, just watching him, you know, from outside, never being around him to being his teammate now, just seeing how he works, how he goes about his business, you know, all the success he's had and how he still continues to work and grind the way he does. So I think that'd be um, one of the teammates. Teammate that calms you down the most? Bad Amosi. Bad Amosi has to be the teammate that calms you down the most, always checks on me, asks me how I'm doing, how's my spirit, uh, good guy, good mannerisms. He's that guy. You're saying this with a slight smile. Is he also the, does he have the slyest sense of humor on the team as well? Yes, he does. That's him. That's him. If you know him, you know that's to be true. <laughs> he just did this a few days ago and got us pretty good with some things. Best part of training camp is? Just the camaraderie you build with your teammates. You know, obviously just working and grinding and getting yourself ready for week one um, in the season. But the camaraderie that you build with your teammates, it's almost like you're here all day, so you get to know each other, um, and you build that bond and that brotherhood that you're going to need when you're out there between those white lines. What's your favorite TV show, favorite show on Netflix, Hulu, one of those? The Shy. The Shy. It's a Netflix series. The Shy, Ozark. Me and my wife binge-watched both of those, and we're waiting for the new series to come out. So if the producers of those two see this, let's get it moving. I love Ozark. I've finished both seasons. I can't wait for the third. That guy finds a way to sink deeper and deeper and deeper and get into more trouble each episode, doesn't he? Every time, man. It it, it keeps you coming back, for sure. How about when you were growing up? What was your favorite TV show? When I was growing up, my favorite TV show was Martin. Martin, and I love WWF. Favorite wrestler? The Rock. Best dresser on the team is? Best dresser on the team, I'd have to say, between me. Um, And I seen Hop dress, too. Hop. Hot swaggy. I've seen him on Instagram with a different kind of look. He has a different swag, but it, it, it's clean. I like it. Fantastic stuff from Jaleel Adai. We went through this quickly. We went through this with detail, and we can't wait to do this again sometime soon. Jaleel Adai, best of luck to the rest of camp. Best of luck this season as a Texan. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
He's a Chippewa, too. So we wow. need more of those. We've got Xavier Crawford. We've got Jalila Dive. We've got two guys in our department who are yeah. Chippewas. There's another, I think, football intern or training, uh, athletic I'm, trainer I'm intern. I'm sure. If your name is Zach or you went to Central Michigan, you got to yeah. leg up. And I didn't building. go there, but I worked there, folks. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, you got Joe Staley. You've got Antonio Brown. I mean, that, got J.J. Watt, got JJ sort, Watt. Of, sort of, because he transferred to Wisconsin. Yeah. And back in the day... For the more seasoned fan, Gary Hogaboom, who was a backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and I forgive him for that. Yeah, but he, he also he also participated on Survivor at one point too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was on Survivor. Dan Marley was a chip off. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Okay, John McClain, a Baylor alum, and he's going to join us next. Got to get his thoughts on the running back situation. Some other things that he noticed yesterday because we caught up with him before practice, and they had a spirited practice yesterday at the Houston Methodist Training Center. We'll break down the running backs as a whole at 9 o'clock and uh, get some thoughts on the 53. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Texans Radio is at Training Camp. Welcome back to Texans Training Camp Live. The grind. You're into the second week, but you're not really because it's five practices in and a day off, but it just feels like it because it began last Thursday. Anyway, you get the point. The team will open the preseason a week from tomorrow night. No, it's Thursday night. Thursday Jeez, night. the days are running together, Johnny. I, exactly. I mean, you know, when you're here every day of the week, you're just like, eh, what is this now? I know. I don't I, even know. When I was doing radio last night, I got worried. In the second segment, I was like, I think I said I the heard first you. segment. I was like, did I say yes. Monday? I, yes. didn't, I did say Monday. I went back and listened. I did say Monday, but I got worried for a second. Like I, They're just all kind of running together. They are running together. But a week from Thursday, the team opens at Green Bay, Lambeau Field. It'll be live on ABC 13, and you can stream it live on the Texans app, and you can hear it right here, and you can hear it on the Bull 100.3 FM, and you can get smoke signals from me from Lambeau. No, I'm not going to do that, but – You'll be able to see it, consume it, hear it in a variety of ways. And John McClain, you can consume his content on the Houston Chronicle or right here, right now, as he visits with us in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Good morning, General. Good morning. And I think if somebody slips up on a day, the listeners are up to up to date on this stuff like crazy. <laughs> They're up they to know date. exactly when it is. I know my friends who are Texans fans. You mean they know it's are, Tuesday? They know what day it is. They know what days the fans can come to practice. Oh, that. They know <laughs> yeah. when they go to Green Bay, when they practice against the Packers, and when the preseason opener is. And if we screw it up, you know, <laughs> we don't want to do that. But it's yeah. not like everybody's going to go, oh, my God, John Harris said this day I was wrong. No, they're going to go, John Harris was wrong. I think I think two years wrong. ago, a lot of the casual fans, now the diehards and, and even the, the next level, they know when the when the games start. But two years ago when yeah. the Texans opened on a Wednesday at Carolina, that was I different. think a lot of the fringe casual people, for lack of a better way of putting them, were like, wait, wait, Wednesday? Because of the golf tournament there. Yeah, yeah because, my goodness, we're not a big enough city where we can have a PGA tournament and an nfl preseason game at the same well, time. well i mean it's i think the pga what? has it has a deal where they make the rules at those tournaments remember when uh firestone moved in akron to hall of fame weekend yeah and the hall of fame did everything they could to get them not to do it and it had nothing to do with akron it had to do with the pga so now and hotel rooms and everywhere in northern ohio taken up by Hall of Fame induction weekend and the PGA tournament. So that's controlled by them. If you agree to have them in, 
you know, you open the door and you invite them to come in and take over. It's still the same house. weekend. Are they there this weekend? I guess. I'm, I haven't paid any but attention. But to, to me, all right, so if you're the area, the PGA's got to do a solid here. It's right for that area. You know, LeBron went back for the economy and everything. Well, partly. But you know what I'm saying? It's great to have back-to-back weeks of huge events. It's in the best interest of your city, of your area, to divide those events. Well, you don't have to worry about it anymore because golf got smart and said, no, 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 move our majors. Good. Move them yeah, all Yeah, but the Firestone up. is something else or whatever. No, that I know, thing. but that's not, that's not a that's not Oh, a the golf PGA major. Championship like from yeah. two years ago. And yeah. It was a, a big major. tournament every year that drew all the bigs, mm-hmm. and uh, and the even the Amish country was uh, having – B and B's invite people over twenty, thirty miles. Oh my gosh! Away. It's like it's Whoa, like wait, Harrison it? Ford uh, and Kelly McGillis. B and B. It's like what is that like? It's like Witness that movie with Harrison Ford or a Kingpin. Although there are they Mennonites. Uh, it's a little bit different. The Kingpin was just weird. All I remember is Kelly McGillis. Oh yeah, pretty good in Witness. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Top Gun. Hey, is she in the sequel of? Top Gun? I don't know. I no, don't there's no so. way she's there's no be. way she's in that. No, right? there's no way she's I, coming back. I started to watch the trailer, then no I dropped way. it. When is it coming? All right, so we don't it's have to talk about that. Coming out a long time. It's 2020. It's well, coming out in 2020. Wake me up when it gets here. All right, John. Biggest takeaway from yesterday. What what stood out to you? They were out of pads, but I thought it was still a very spirited session at the Houston Methodist training center. What I like to watch the most, whether they're in pads or out of pads, are the receivers, and that being the tight ends and the receivers, and and uh, and the defensive backs because cornerback to me, everybody keeps talking around the country about offensive line and when i do these national shows it's like oh my god the offensive line and i said well cornerback to me is a bigger issue than the offensive line because i think the line's going to be better with a small thing like martinez ranking going into his second year at the end of last year snell kelamete and zach fulton and nick martin were beaten up which is one reason the running game went from Averaging 143 yards uh, at the end of the winning streak, including 156 during the nine-game winning streak, to falling off the table because they just were beaten up up front. And they're, everybody's healthy so far. And and Matt Khalil Knock has looked on good uh, so far. Mm-hmm. And then they love Titus Howard and Max Sharping. They're both playing tackle and guard. It uh, The coaches are really happy with those guys, the way they learn in the meetings and take it onto the field, and then when they make a mistake, correct it. And they have confidence in them mentally that they can play both of those positions. You know, if indeed, say Khalil can play well enough to play left tackle for a year, that means the Texans could have two starting rookie guards. Sharping is a – once they start banging on people at, at Green Bay – I think he's got a chance to be kind of a mauler, a, a nasty boy, and they need that up front. And they, you know, they they know what they got. Nick Martin. They like to see Nick come back as soon as possible, and just like Holly Waring, who needs it a lot more. But uh, watching the line, I think it's going to be better. Uh, that I'm not sure about the secondary. You never know about Roby and and uh, Aaron Colvin. And Jonathan Joseph, who just got a raise uh, to, I think, $4 million a year this season. Uh, those guys, you they've got to play really well. Lonnie Johnson's got to get healthy and stay healthy. And it wouldn't surprise me if they don't end up finding another corner on another team, and uh, especially when you consider those quarterbacks. And I know how high they are on Kyle Waring, and now he hadn't been able to play. 
you know, when I watch him on the sideline, he reminds me of me. And yeah, I was going to say that, John. Spasm, yeah. isn't that what right. you think of? Yeah, I was thinking he's all. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no way that guy weighs two fifty two like he's listed. I asked him at the end of the mini game. Say he's up two fifty six. He is. He looks as good or better than anybody out there. Uh, just his his body. Let me put it like that. He's awesome looking, and I know he can run. And he's missing all this time, and he's falling behind. So. We'll see how long it takes him to catch up. And Jordan Akins has capitalized on the two other tight ends, including Jordan Thomas being out. Akins has just been tremendous. You know, he's wide receiver. He's tight end. He's an H-back. He's everything but the third, fourth quarterback. And so watching Akins make all these plays, mm-hmm. you know, we're always eager to see the guys that are in their second season, how much improvement they made like Thomas and Akins, Thunder and Lightning. But Akins has just torn it up. When you said Max Sharping, it's interesting. Yesterday I was in my office, and one of our video guys, one of the Tylers, came in and was like, hey, come here. you got to see this. And they were trying to get a tight shot on Deshaun. Mm -hmm. And it was a play in which Sharping was at guard and Chantrell Henderson was at tackle. And BMAC and JJ were lined up. Uh, BMAC was over the top of Sharping and Watt was outside. And they looped. And we're watching this video, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, okay, and Marcotte's what, like, watch this. There's a point where Sharping, somehow they didn't communicate as well as they should have, but there's a point where Sharping has got BMAC by the neck with one arm, and he's got Watt by the jersey with the other arm, and he's literally just holding them off. Hold the door. Like, holding both of them. <laughs> hold the door, hold the door, hold the door. He's got both of them. And I'm like, oh my god! I was that he's a huge guy. He's and, a massive, so he's a massive guy. He doesn't have great feet, but right. he's, he's he just seems more like a guard to me because right tackles because there's so many great pass rushers on the left side as well as yep. the right. The right tackles got to have quick feet too, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if Sharping doesn't play guard instead guard. You know, it's interesting, John. You say that because I was watching the other night the NFL Top 100 and. They had Joey Bosa. I think he was in the mid-50s somewhere. He comes off the left side, defensive left side. J.J. comes off the defensive left side. Von Miller. Von Miller comes off the defensive left side. That some of those those top-edge rushers in the league, they like coming off that left side for some reason. I don't well, know. Because they get a guy who's not as good as the left tackle, maybe, yeah. right, in, in many but cases. But they also now, everybody moves their tight end around. Right. You know, the reason, they, the reason it happened that you needed your best blocker on your left tackle because, you know, the blind side on the quarterback, but there was a tight end over there. Mm-hmm. And now the tight ends go to the slot. They line up wide. They go in motion. You don't have as many traditional tight ends, so you can rush from either side. You know, if I was the quarterback, you know how the quarterback's always pointing to the middle linebacker, and that's for yeah. protection or whatever. I'd be pointing to J.J. Watt like, him, there he is, block him, well, or Von Miller. At those or, two. Yeah, well, Clown, Clowney's over there, watch over there. No, <laughs> Clowney's <laughs> over here. No, he's over now there. He's, now he's moving Well, you guys bring up a great point. The other night, um, when I, if you watch Clowney's top 100 vignette, there's a mic'd up with Anthony Weaver standing there, D.J. Reader sitting down, and Clowney standing up. And he walks over there. And they have a discussion. They're like, and I think it's the Colts. I think it's the Colts. I, I tried to pause to see who was on. I think it was the Colts. Every time that Clowning was off the ball, the Colts 
pointed Clowney out. DJ was like, yeah, they're saying something. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're – but they're pointing Clowney out that every time Clowney was off the ball, the Colts were making him the mic. They, okay. they were making sure that he – they centered the protection on him whenever he was off the ball as a linebacker. Like, he automatically became the mic for them, which I thought – that's really that's really interesting because I've always wondered what teams were doing when Clowney ended up trying to stand up. And it was funny because Clowney was the one who came over there and was telling them, hey, look, when I'm standing up, they're making me the mic, basically. Well, I'm, somebody I'm the else protection point. Help yourself then, right? They that's what it's got to do. They have to do that because of the way he moves around. Right, you know? exactly. He stands up outside. He stands up inside. Sometimes he's standing up over the nose tackle. That Nobody else does that. So they have to be aware of him. And – and uh, he had that great game. I think has he yeah. ever had a better game than he had in the first one at Jacksonville last oh, year? Oh, week four. Well, he had the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Yep. He had the big sack on third down. If he doesn't get that sack, if they if they convert something on that play, you lose that game, and mm-hmm. you're zero and four. And then who knows what happens? Yep. Right? That was a huge moment right there. Even though they came back with the fourth and four and failed right there. The, the you know what would they have had had luck had time to throw on third down yeah so it, football's like that it's a domino effect it's whatever so John take us through another position group here because we're about to review the running backs and to me you know we talk about Foreman and what he's capable of doing they got a lot of other guys who are really interesting I think that the third running back could be on another team you know they like Josh Ferguson uh, I don't think. Crying Higby, I think he'll end up on a practice squad. Uh, Higdon, yeah. Higdon, Higdon. And uh, because he didn't do much in offseason program because of injuries, but he's looked pretty good out here. Yeah. At least the last few practices once he's figured out what he's doing. And Ferguson would seem, but Taiwan Jones is 30. He's played special teams his entire career. Would they keep a 30-year-old as a third back who's a good receiver, who's experienced, and because of special teams, and I think they're going to do Buddy Howe like they did last year with Johnson Batabosi, keep him because of special teams. He's a luxury and look for a third. But I still think Foreman will be number two. O'Brien's trying to motivate him. They always have to motivate Deontay Foreman. And uh, I think when he when I asked him that question we talked about yesterday, talk about the backs behind the first two, and he said, who are the first two? And I said, Miller and Foreman. He goes, Miller. In other words, sending a message to Foreman, yeah, you look good, you're in good shape, but you've got a long way to go. It's every day, it's 16 weeks, it's it's crazy. Uh, Who's your camp crush? Do you have a camp crush here? Because we both have camp Um, crushes. Let me think real quick. Let's see. Linebacker. Let me me rephrase the question. I don't mind saying a camp crush. Uh, uh, I've got, yeah, and I wrote about him today. I think besides Watson, who I'm just so intrigued. You're by. not allowed to have Watson. I know. As your camp I said crush. besides Watson, you can't Watson. too. It's just no, you can't. Well, you He's can't just tell me who I got a crush no, on. Watson, exactly. I'm Watson with you on is this, John. Watson sounds lo- like my big brother. Yeah, no, Watson's the love of your life. Not necessarily Jordan Akins. Okay. Jordan Akins. See, I, to me, a camp crush is somebody who's kind of flying, maybe under the, the radar. The Russian judge will allow it. Yeah, no, I'm well, not going to allow that either. Who, who, okay, <laughs> right, tell me this. Uh, let me rephrase. Of the wide receivers who aren't in the top three, Tyrone Johnson. Who's your favorite? Okay, good. That's mine too. I wrote about him today on my takeaways, he made a big which play is on yesterday. Texas hey, hey, Sports Nation dot com, and 
he could be Vincent Smith mm-hmm. and uh, be the guy who's undrafted that we didn't think much about, and then all of a sudden he makes the team. He's six one. He's one ninety eight, I think, and he can run. O'Brien, I asked O'Brien about him. He spoke highly of him, but I would say Tyron Johnson of the nobodies, and then of guys on the rest of them. I love what Jordan Akins is doing all over the field. Why can't you not have Jordan Akins as a crush? That's okay. He's Jordan Akins is a, a starter or close it up. He's to a it. crushable guy. I think you got to go reserve type player or a guy who's trying to make the team. That's sort of under the radar. Well, I think That's Aiken's a crush. Be the third I got tight one. End. I got one. I, I got one, and then I, I've, I've been I've been holding. I haven't I haven't written about him, and he's a rookie. And every time I watch him, he I watch him on, in pass rush drills, and it's Jamal Davis, number forty nine. He's only been out there a little bit, right? He, yep, he's noticeable. He is he, when he he can fly. He can absolutely fly. He's the kind of guy you have coming off the edge, and you're like, whoa. He threw a spin move the other day in pass rush moves. The very last rep, literally the whistle blew as he was spinning to end the drill. And he spun on somebody, and you just saw the defensive players go nuts. They went crazy. Jamal Davis is one. The other one for me is Charles Amenahu. You look at Charles, and every there's a play made. Now, he's got to find a consistent level. Because there are times when it's like, okay, Charles, where are you? But then there are times where he really shows up and makes some plays, knifing in the backfield. He has been hanging on at J.J. Watt's every word. Charles Amenahu, I mean, two rookies. They're not, obviously, Amenahu's not a nobody because he was drafted in the – still drafted in the fifth round on day three. Jamal Davis is not a guy that anybody has really talked about. But, man, I'm telling you, he can give them some pass rush. It can be really interesting when he goes to well, Green Why Bay. do you think he didn't get drafted? It's a good question. Undersized? I don't know. He's in the two forties, I think, or is and he? He's a little. He's a little bit undersized, but he's got every athletic attribute you could possibly have. Now he transferred from Pitt, so the transfer thing—you don't know why that happened. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, look when when Arian Foster went undrafted. I think at the time everybody's kind of like, "Wow, why did he go undrafted?" And then over the years, we found out, you know, there were some there were some issues back at Tennessee that weren't always great. Speaking I mean, dinosaur language. But no, yeah, ter- speaking dinosaur language, no, it's pterodactyl. Ter- speaking okay. pterodactyl. Let's be That's accurate. Right. <laughs> speaking pterodactyl. It's pterodactyl. Are there different dinosaur languages? Yes, I think so. I, th- well, I, I think the pterodactyl being a flying creature is very different from some, you know, brontosaurian. Okay, is, who's your crush? Yeah. Well, I, Tyron Johnson's been my crush since OTAs, and I've been very clear about that because well, I just stole him from you. Well, I, I think these receivers, Tyron Johnson and Johnny Dixon, and you know, you have this group of guys right there that, you know, they desperately want to make this team, but can they crack into that that group? Because you have four guys who look like they're – well, you have the three locks. You have Vincent Smith who looks really solid. But those guys are trying to get that spot. And then you have DeAndre Carter. So I'm going to go five at, at receiver on this 53. You know, maybe six, but special teams is going to factor in. So that's why next week at Green Bay – when the preseason games start, you want to be you don't don't go to the refrigerator when they're punting. Don't go to the refrigerator during kickoffs because that's when you want to see who shines and and you can really get a glimpse of who might crack into that fifty. Who is a candidate to be the slot backup? Uh, see, that's the thing. There are, there are a bunch of them. Stevie Mitchell could go inside. Johnny Dixon could be inside. They, I mean, you guys all know they've got more slot types this year than they've ever had before. And who would be the return guy if it were Carter? Exact, that's exactly that, the point. That's we what don't we know. talked about. I, I think they can, they can sort of tell who can catch the ball. 
I, I'd have to talk to Brad Seeley about what are you looking for at this point from the return guys? You know, everybody else you want to see, they get their blocking assignments. But what do you see right now in practice from the return guys? And you won't really know till they start getting yeah. hit. I don't think they're keeping six receivers. If they're going to keep Buddy Howe. Buddy Howe's a better special teams player than a sixth receiver. And that affects the running back group a little bit, doesn't it? You and still then we think have they're going to keep four tight ends? Of course, assuming we ever see yeah. Waring. Waring uh, ends up being the that's, – that's that, the X factor there because – all those tight ends you talked about. Jordan Thomas is great to start. He's been banged up the last few days. Hopefully we'll see him again soon. Aikens, you mentioned John, has been fantastic. Darren Fells had a day or two where he didn't catch the ball very well, but you know what you're getting with the big vet. You know what you're getting from him, and he's had days where he's caught the ball very well. You could go with those three into the season, and I'd be like, all right, fine. Let's Dr. go. Dr. Vandermeer says Waring Second half of the season, Waring's going to be the starter. They think he can be a star. I'd like to see him get on the field. Do I have time today. to ask, ask y'all a question? Uh, if you want to stick around, can I stick around? You, you're going to stick Considering around. Considering all that traffic uh, I fought, yes, of course. John, John's here, so let's <laughs> let's go to overtime with the general. We'll <laughs> the break down the running warrior. backs, which we've been doing anyway. All right, it's Texans training camp live. All right, it's Texans training camp live. All right, it's Texans training camp live. Texans training camp is underway. Get all the breaking news, updates, interviews, and more right now at HoustonTexans.com. Now back to Texans training camp live. Presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors, Geico, and by Papa John's Houston. We've got this time slot, first 10 business days of camp. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. John McClain staying with us in overtime, and it's a day off for the players, but we're on. And a lot of things to review. We'll go over the running back position soon enough within this half hour. So the general's with us, and you were going to ask us a question. I was. Uh... We know the top two pass rushers are Watt and Clowney. They'd like for Whitney Merciless to be the third one again. Whitney had four sacks last year. He didn't play as much as a pass rusher, and he was coming off a hamstring injury in camp, not to mention bicep surgery the previous season. So do we think in the last year of his contract that Whitney is going to end up back in the six, seven, eight range and if not, who would be another guy, whether it was outside or whether we might give them an inside push to not eat, maybe four, four, say four sacks inside? Four sacks. Who would it be, inside well, or outside, besides the first three? I, the, the two guys that come to mind, one inside and one outside. I mean, I, I, I don't think that. You looked at Charles Amenahu at Texas and thought, that guy is a bona fide, top-notch, ready-to-be, a Von Miller-like pass rusher, a J.J. Water clowning-like pass rusher. I'll tell you rusher. what, though, if you watch his highlight reel, it feels but, like, oh, my gosh, he's going to Orlando this year. Didn't he have nine-and-a-half sacks? He did. He had nine-and-a-half sacks in the Big 12, which is which is saying something. Um, but I like it. His One of his best games was going against Oklahoma off the edge. He was, he was phenomenal against Oklahoma. But – I think he's a guy that you actually could use to rush from the inside. I think he would be a guy that you could rush inside, that if you put him in a, in a pass rush package that had the three pass rushers, Wachlani, Merciless, and you put Charles on the inside, who's getting single blocked? Right. Charles Amenahu. So, so, so is it like Covington? Win. I mean, give me, a, give me a comparison here. Give me a comp. I mean, Antonio Smith, like, mini, mini Antonio. Kinda, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, okay. he's kind of like a mini ninja. Is he going to do the sword? No, just kidding. No, he – but he's long, he's gangly, but he's quick. And that's the one thing that stood out. 
But the thing about a minute who it's it's got to level out. Like there are some plays where you go, whoa, all pro, and then you see other plays and you're like, ooh, practice squad. So it's there's got to be this consistent level. The other guy that I think off the edge, and look, you're not talking about going getting double digit sacks. You're just talking about a guy that can play the edge, and and get to the quarterback. I think Brandon Scarlett can be a guy that we've seen over the years do some good things from the edge. He plays hard. He sets the edge well against the run, and I think he's strong enough to handle tackles, but he's got a little bit of quickness to him, too, to get to the quarterback. So I think Brennan Scarlett's a guy that you – you with the Texans had to rely on him to do different things for them in the middle of the year last year in particular where they really needed him, not just on special teams. They need him on the defense side of the ball. They need him an outside linebacker. They need him an inside linebacker. Inside linebacker, he goes and has a pick against the Redskins. So he's done some good things. I, I think those would be the two candidates. Now, would I – would the consortium – Look at <laughs> some sort of pass rusher from another team, potentially. Yeah, but those guys don't get away. Yeah, they don't. No, they don't. It's like pitching, okay? And they especially don't, this time of year. No one wants look, to part with anybody they think is any good. Malik Jackson, released by the Jaguars. Why? Cap casualty, because they had to go out and get money from Nick Foles. There are going to be players like that. Why is Deshaun Gibson here? So there there may be something at that this happens. this time of year, though. You, you, listen, you never know. What happens if... What happens, and I'm just using Tampa as an example because I know Tampa's up against the cap. What if Tampa really finds out that Jason Pierre-Paul cannot come back and play this year? They have no body on the edge. They've got to go get. They've got to go make. They got to go make a deal, right? Right. So they got to go find somebody. So in going and finding somebody, where are they going to get the money? Well, now somebody gets. Somebody gets. Maybe you take a look. Speaking of that, something I'm very interested in. When there is a general manager, the general manager's always got to look beyond the first year. Right. Coaches want now. They want to win right now and do everything they can. So I'm curious to see if the Texans will continue to operate with the current management structure and the same philosophy, or they would be more likely to go out if they saw a guy with another team and it cost a two or a three to make that deal because – you know, they want to win now. I think, I think, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't speak for them, but I really think Bill does look at the future. And I think that with Matt Bazergan and the guys they have and Easterby, they do look at that whole big picture thing with the cap. I, I think the way they approached free agency this year was a uniform decision. Now, maybe some things weren't done or were done that might not have been. Who knows? But I do believe that that was a philosophy that they all bought into. I think if they if they said let let's spend all the money and just go get anybody and you know pay you know overpay for guys or whatever, I think they would have done it had they all felt that that was a good idea. And I think Cal's on board with this very much so because you know he's he's been around here and he sees how things are run and he sees what's important. And he sees what happens two three years down the line with certain contracts and everything. And I think it was an organizational philosophy. The, the interesting thing is moves are made. They've made several little moves this training camp so far. They're running, okay? The organization is running. You know, we joked about it like, hey, how do these players just show up out of thin air? There's it's no just general amazing. manager. How do they how do, yeah. they do they, it? They I, materialize. Uh, here's something else. They're going to have three compensatory picks. Mm-hmm. Two of them could be threes, depending on how Kareem Jackson and Tyron Matthew play. To go make a deal for somebody. And then you got your own three. So for a three, you can sometimes get a pretty good player, and you can trade compensatory picks even though you don't have them yet. So would they be more inclined to trade their three 
but then Matthew and Jackson go down for the year and you don't get your threes, but that's something for them to consider when thinking about what they may need at a position uh, coming out of training camp or even during training camp when they see more of their guys. Well, I, I think it's it's still pretty early here, but five days in, it, I'd love to hear the conversations they're having today about things that we've been talking about all offseason. How's the O-line looking? Like, let's, let's do a little self-scout. Corner. I think they're fine at safety, yes. however you want to define fine. I'm not saying everybody's going to the Pro Bowl, but I think they, they look good there. Uh, at corner, it's still a very much a work in progress. But I do like the addition of Roby. I think you know Roby's yep. played a bunch of football. He's only missed one game. He's a Super Bowl champ. Between him and some of the other options, you should be able to work it out. But I think they get very thin in a hurry, he had a in good, a big hurry. Good game against Tyree Kill last year. Yep. And yep. the thing about Roby, you can't beat a guy on a one-year contract. I mean, we're talking about his future, his livelihood. They're going to get the very best they can possibly get. Whatever that is. From Roby. And I, I interviewed him and did a big thing on him Sunday. And he admitted I had bad games last year. And he said, I had some good games, but I had some bad games. All about consistency. And he can, he can still run. You know, he's smart. He knows what it's like to win a Super Bowl. And he's got pride. And if you got pride, you want to bounce back. He knew the Broncos were ready to move on. We were all shocked, I think, that the contract they gave Kareem. Mm-hmm. They gave him a lot of guaranteed money. And uh and Roby knows that. And so I think I don't know how good he can be. I know how good he can be. He can be really good, but he's got money at stake and he's got pride at stake and he's been durable. That's a good combination for getting the best out of a player. John, if there was a team in the AFC and let's just take the Texans out of the equation here, but a playoff team in the AFC that's not going to make the playoffs from last year. Let me think. I know you'd like me to say Colts, but uh, no, can't, I, I can't mean, say I wouldn't the say Colts. Colts. You do what? I wouldn't say the Colts. No, no, I wouldn't say the Colts either. It's not going to be the Patriots. Uh, um, I think it's one of two. I mean, uh, I know some people are picking the Texans in this little deal, but – I don't think I'm not going to allow the Chargers. it. Don't think it'll be the Chiefs. It will be a couple of teams. Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore, yes. Baltimore should be at the top of everybody's list. With Lamar Jackson going into his second year, they their defense was devastated by free agency, and yep. they let him go. They spent a lot of money on uh, uh, a couple of players. They brought in Earl Thomas, gave him a contract that stunned everybody. But to me, their os- offense is still very suspect. So I would say the Ravens and everybody's picking the Browns to win that division anyway. Well, I think the Browns at the very I'm not picking the Browns to win that division. I'm not either. I'm picking the Steelers. At the very least, the Browns give you a hell of a game and they're going to knock off some people. I love the fact that the Browns being one of those franchises, I mean, obviously they had that little three-year gap where they went away, but then they came back. But I feel like the NFL having the Browns be a good football team, listen, they've got a passionate fan base. I think it's – it's awesome that they're going to be hopefully at some point at that level where they can participate in playoffs and all that kind of stuff. I just think, I mean, to expect going from zero and sixteen to hey, we're going to be twelve and four in two years. I mean, I I don't know. Now they've got some individual talent on par with anybody in the league between Miles Garrett, OBJ, Jarvis, Baker Mayfield. Just those four guys alone. Then you throw in Olivier Vernon, who they picked up. I mean. They've got individual talent, but I still think that I still think you can have them in the secondary. I'm not convinced that Baker's going to be you know the next coming of Tom Brady this year. I think he's a good quarterback. I wouldn't take him ahead of Deshaun Watson, but I think if the Browns had made the playoffs, I would have said the, I would have said the Browns. 
The X factor is a first-year head coach trying Kitchens, to control yeah. all those big me-first personalities. Yep. If 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 Odell Beckham Jr. is not getting the ball in their three-one, will he be happy? If if Antonio Brown, if they're one and three, and he's not getting the ball, how will he react in Oakland? Uh, it makes me appreciate DeAndre Hopkins more every day that he's not one of these divas looking to be in the limelight all the time by his antics. No, he he puts his head down, gets to work. I mean, he, I think Hopkins, he is a showman in a good way. I mean, he on likes the, the show. Yeah, on the field. I mean, he puts on a show. And uh, we had Jaleel Adai on earlier, and he talked about – Drew asked him best dress, and he said, Hop, you know, Hop is a, he dresses flamboyantly sometimes. I love that. I yeah. mean, look, you're Hop in the NFL. the best dressed. Yeah, but he hasn't been around here long, and he, and he put himself in there, too, and I haven't seen him in the, in the threads yet. Yeah, on Hop's road probably trip. the best. I mean, he's the most unique. What about dressed. Watson? Yeah, I think unique Sean's, is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, Hop is, Hop is Hop. I mean, it's, you know, like, how do you explain, like, yeah, you know, Hop is Hop. I mean, you know he's going to show up in uh, Balenciaga someday. He's going to show up in some Louis. You, n- you never know what you're going to get with Hop. But. Watson, remember, he's dressing in uh, yodeling in Germany in shorts and uh, mm-hmm. dressed up like they are now. Later, Hosen. Mm-hmm. No, uh, he's what Watson is hilarious. I mean, he's he's great. They're both wonderful. I mean, just to have them on the team, yep. and I like the the way they. The way they are off the field, on the field, the way they come into the building, it's it's just all part of the thing. you got to enjoy being a professional football player, enjoy your career, and and they do it the right way. I saw a guy online at a fundraiser, Yep, and he looked very sharp. See? And he said, very it, sharp. He, said he was Takes a lot that. of pride in it. Well, I, I'm excited he's on the team. I think that safety group is good, like we said. General, what do you got going on in the Chronicle? Let's see. I've written so much I can't keep up. Every day I do takeaways. To, today I have about the tight ends and how Aikens is taking advantage of wearing and uh, now Jordan Thomas being out and how bad they need to see wearing on the field because of the they think he can be special. And uh, I'm going to write a kind of a synopsis of where they are after five practices for tomorrow. Aaron Wilson's got stories every day. Brian Smith, and we've got them. In the Chronicle on HoustonChronicle.com, Cron.com, and TexasSportsNation.com. Thank you guys very much. I'm now headed to Sports Radio 610 for my 1040 regular appearance. Oh, geez. Boom. Thank not, you. Not enough airtime for the general. Thank you very much, John. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. All the uh, websites where you can access Chronicle Sports information, I can't even keep track. I, and I still get it delivered, too. I don't know if the general can keep track either. Yeah, but he just did. He listed them all for he you. He just does it and just out. All right, we, we moved it a little bit, but we're going to break down running backs. Johnny Harris, rapid-fire running back breakdown. You don't want to miss this. It's go. good stuff. Then Landry's questions of the day on Texans Training Camp Live. At Texans Training Camp Live. At Texans. Keep up with the Houston Texans everywhere you go. Hey. Download the Texans mobile app. Oh, we're back. Jeez, we're watching a video with Peyton Manning. We're in the studio. What is going on? Texans Trading Camp Live. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, DP Sidhu joins us in studio. We've got a lot to do here in a very limited amount of time. So the last thing we – Johnny, describe what we were uh, just consuming there. Well, Peyton Manning has put together these shows. He's the executive producer on these shows for the NFL celebration, NFL 100 celebration. It's called Peyton's Place. Right. And he has done these different episodic uh, – J.J. Ver- Watt's going to be on one of them. I know that. 
Dan Pastorini's going to be on one of them. Yeah, I know. He's got the so flight jacket on. They've done this. They're, they're doing this thing. They call it the greatest catch. And so back in the 1920s, the Giants did this thing to draw up publicity for the NFL where their quarterback stood at the top of this building and threw a ball down to the best player in the Giants team. So basically it would have been like Deshaun Watson throwing one to DeAndre Hopkins from a skyscraper onto the park next door. Yeah. Well, Peyton Manning is doing that with Chris Carter. And the problem is is now the, the, the park used to be a lot larger so that the receiver could stand closer to the building. Now there was, it's like – this throw is like 85 yards. Yeah. And I mean, but it's got to go down. So it's got to go a down. Leeway. So he's got some leeway, but he's got to go over these trees. Oh, my gosh. Carter's so got to try and find the ball. Yeah. And he's wearing a helmet. Well, it's it's comical. And they're it charging really he, He's standing on a balcony that's like two by two. Yeah, and he can't even like step into the throw. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if he follows through, it's like he tumbles over. All right, DP, what, what about camp yesterday? Who did you interview? I interviewed A.J. Moore, who's just had a phenomenal camp so Have far. Have we aired that yet, by the way, on our particular it little program? Is it on Soundforge? It, it, I believe it is. Okay. then I think he's going to make the show tonight. Yet. I don't know if we'll get in there today because we have Landry coming up next. But it'll be on Texans All Access tonight. The Xfinity one-on-one presented by Dee's Plan. It's also on Twitter and uh, on yeah, Houston, Texas.com. you got to get your sponsor in. <laughs> just wanted I'm to remind sponsored. you guys. sponsored. Love, I love interviewing A.J. Moore because – the fact that it seemed like every day in camp we saw him make a big, big play on defense, on special teams. He was everywhere all the Anytime time. Anytime Bill O'Brien talks about you and he wasn't asked about you is a good thing. He said he could talk about him all day. Yeah. I, I rarely hear Bill O'Brien talk about a player like that. And A.J. Moore, I mean, what's there not to love about him? He, he led the team in special teams tackles last year. He played in all 16 games. He was on the Patriots uh, squad, and then they released him. We picked him up right before the season started. And then he was off to the races. He played all 16 games Does- here. And, uh, you know, he's been here ever since and, and really working hard right now. Jones, you get that NFL Films music ready, please, for the running back breakdown. But, DP, does the safety group win the award for best position group interview skills? Ooh. Or level of interest Well, or I've something. only had about five because it was five days of camp. But the tight ends are right there, too, because Jordan Thomas and Yeah, Jordan those Aikens. guys are good. Those guys are good. It's, it's probably Deshaun- not fair to name a winner in this category. But when you, <laughs> when you look at Gibson – a die who we heard from earlier, more okay. I mean, the, those three right there are are great. And Reed obviously has always been good. even as a rookie. Reed would he was a non rookie. It, it wasn't like the invasion we, of the body snatchers where I'm just trying to be a good no, teammate. No, no, which is fine. His personality is is definitely there. And yeah. I wonder if he's going to make that year one to year two jump at the podium as well. You know, they make it on the field, but how could he go up? I, I don't know. How, I don't, but yesterday, you look though. at the sound bites from yesterday. Just this is kind of inside baseball stuff, but you know, it's like forty-five seconds, and those are long. You know, because Reed, you know, Reed will just tell you what's mm-hmm. going on. It's, really it's awesome. Will. Stanford educated and uh, very chipping very aw- chipping away at his engineering degree. He gets asked about that every now. Engineering and then. degree? He said industrial engineering at Stanford. He's got you about three years. He's going to join the club. He's going to join the engineering club. He can't I'm really not, ask, DP, he can't ask DP me and I are charter help. members. I don't, I don't remember anything from engineering. I, don't so I wouldn't have graduated help. if I was in that major, okay? <laughs> I had to be in, like, advertising. <laughs> Make a magazine. Paste and cut. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. It's, uh, you know, it, it, while I don't use it very much, or, and by very much I mean never, I think <laughs> the one great thing about an engineering degree, and Johnny can probably attest to this, is that when you tell people you have an engineering degree, they automatically think you're just super brilliant. Yeah, exactly. So I don't ever have to. I, I mean, I could. I don't have to say anything after that. And then I open my mouth and I ruin all of <laughs> like, it. Like, wait. Then I, so then do you hang over. out with the IT guys and like just 
talk shop. Sometimes I do. So I was we downloaded this new software, and it really bugs me. We figured me out how to use it yet. Yeah, we, we we're chipping away at that too. Good. <laughs> they didn't All teach right. us that in engineering. When you figure out that new audio software, let me know. Thanks a lot, DP. Thanks, guys. All right, so DP will be on the field with us tomorrow. Let's do this. Running back group. Johnny Harris breaks it down. Let's start it okay. off. Okay. All Let's right. go. Let's start it off with Lamar Miller from South Florida. I think Lamar is one of the more underrated players in this whole league. I, I see so many fantasy things, and well, Lamar is down in the 30s. I just think he's so reliable. Yep. I think everything that he does on the field, he can pass protect. He can run outside inside zone very well. His vision's great. The last couple of years, he's coming to camp a little bit slimmer, and I think that's paid off. When you see the burst, I mean, 97 yards last year against the Titans. Nobody caught him. I mean, another five yards that Dory Jackson might have. But I just think he's so reliable, what you want to have in this offense. When you've got three receivers like you have and you've got a tight end crew that's emerging, you've got to have a running back that can do different things. And I think Lamar Miller does as many different things. I, I just am more impressed with him day by day. And I know fans are like, oh, we need to run it. Lamar Miller is a quality NFL running back. And he passes that smart, tough, dependable. No question. That three-word yeah, tough, smart, must-have skill set. Well, really, it's more characteristics and everything else that this uh, coaching staff wants. Deontay Foreman, third year out of the University of Texas. <sighs> Can be anything he wants to be. Wow. Can be anything he wants to be. He is that talented. It's just a matter of what Deontay wants when. When he decides it's time, then it's going to be really difficult to stop that guy because he's got speed, he's got pillow soft hands, he's got size, he's got everything you want. When he decides he wants it, it will happen, and it will be scary for teams to face him. Josh Ferguson, who's been around the block a little bit in this league, third year out of Illinois. He's quick, 5'10", 205. My nickname for him is Sound Effects because he goes, (laughs) that's how he moves. He catches the ball very well out of the backfield. He's a guy that the Texans like coming out of Illinois in the draft. They weren't able to get their hands on him until last year, and then numbers didn't allow him to stay here. I think he ended up going to the Patriots for a little bit. When you see him, you're like, whoa, that guy's quick. Who's number 40? That's Josh Ferguson. He can scoot. I don't think he's never down back. I don't think he's a guy you want to put in outside-inside zone type things, but you want to get him the ball in space. If he can prove he can protect He's got an opportunity to be a third down back for this team. Taiwan Jones is entering his ninth year in the NFL out of Eastern Washington. He's not exactly a prolific ball carrier, right. but he's a special teamer. He's six feet, 195. At a minimum, he's a special teamer. But he's got some juice. Just watching him run the football, I, I would always forget about him thinking about the running backs. He can absolutely fly. He's a good veteran presence in the locker room to go along with Lamar Miller. I wouldn't be surprised if he end up he ends up making this team because he's got that veteran presence and he will contribute on special teams and he can fly. So you got some returnability there if you need it. Great storyline on this team. It's it's more of an under the radar type of storyline, but Buddy Howe, does he stick with the roster as a special teamer? He's a running back. Is he gonna get some carries this preseason? Probably a yeah. few, but what they really want to see is what these other guys do. So it's going to be interesting for him to see how he sticks around or tries to. How they divide up the carries for preseason is going to be really interesting to me. Yep. I'm really curious to see how that goes. I don't I think, need to see Lamar at all. No, I don't. Th- I, Lamar, I mean, yeah, not you're at right. all. I think you're right. I think Lamar may not play at all. I think you gotta, you've got so many guys to try and determine what you're going to do. And Buddy's one of them. Buddy's one of them. I think he's a little bit slimmer than he was last year. I want to see what he does in live action because we've never seen him as a running back. 
The only reason I need to see Lamar is if I'm worried about pass protection because right. in the preseason now they're sending extra people. It's right. no longer vanilla. Defense. Exactly. So everything. I might need Lamar in there when Watson's in there just to make sure that I protect Watson, and that'll only be a few reps in the first game. Right, uh, exactly. So we'll see how that shakes out. That's Buddy How. All right, next up, Demaria Crockett, rookie, Missouri, 5'11", 225. You've talked about this guy all offseason long. He's got great yeah. speed or had it before the injury. How's yeah. he looking right now? Uh, he ran a 4'4 at his pro day. He can move. I watched him run down on special teams the other day, and he was keeping up with A.J. Moore and Johnson Batamosa. I mean, he's flying. And he hits the whole heart. He's a big guy. I think he is going to make a, a really strong push in these preseason games to have eyes on him. Karan Higdon. Boy, he's a mighty might. I mean, when you see him, you're like, that's a gnat compared to you know, the, the rest of everybody else. But he runs between the tackles with a bandit. Like, he doesn't back down from anybody. And I think the coaching staff likes that. But how much of a pounding can he take at a legitimate 5.859? Now, when you see yep. he's stocky, but he's not a flyer. But I don't need a flyer. I don't need a guy that runs 4.3 running back. I just need a durable guy. They'll run between the tackles with good vision and power. Higdon does that. I think he's made an impression. I think these two rookies, Higdon and Crockett, have made a significant impression on the coaching they staff. They are going to have to do something on special teams. I don't even know what, but it's going to be something. Oh, we got one more, right? We got the fullback. Yes. All right. Yes. Colin Gillespie up. Yes. From Katie, from Aggieland. What do you think? How much is this guy loved in Aggieland? The Texags did a documentary on him. Yeah, it was tweeted out yesterday. Yeah, tweeted out yesterday. So uh, I want to I want to go see that. Talk to him about it. It was funny. He just kind of played it down. As rookies probably do. He's really interesting to me from a number of different angles because when you run fullback, he's as good a pass protector as Lamar Miller is. Mm-hmm. Just watching him pass protect the other day, he's brilliant. Some of the other running backs for he's going against bigger linebackers and he's doing a really good job holding up against. That'll him. get him on the field, and he's got good hands. And he runs in the four fives. In the preseason, yeah. he'll get so him on the field. He'll go on all four special teams. I think he's going to make this team because of the Swiss Army Knife capabilities that he has. I'm excited for him to see what he's able to do as a rookie and beyond. That's your running back group. Next up, Landry's questions on training camp as we weigh things involving your Houston Texans and the rest of the AFC South. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Training Camp Live. This is Deshaun Watson. The bomb from Deshaun Watson. And you're listening to Texas Radio. My goodness. Oh, yeah, you are. And we're on the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris, as we'll be on tonight, Texans All Access at 6 o'clock. I got a lot of stuff for that show tonight. Joe Webb, who's in his 10th year. That is awesome. Joe Webb in his 10th season. year. How has he stuck around? We're going to talk to him about that. Landry Locker sticking with us for this segment, doing some questions about camp as uh, he's not on the field today. He'll be back out there tomorrow as well. So what's going on, Landry? Good morning. What's up, fellas? Good to, good to hear your voices. Although we're not in front of each other, I still feel y'all's presence very strongly. So it's good to be well, with good. you. That's um, good. Who has done the most for themselves five practices into training camp? What player would you say has done the most for himself? I know it's early, but it's never too early to make a good impression. What player has done that? Several candidates here. I think A.J. Moore, his play at safety, he's done a lot. Because, yep. you know, we're talking about Buddy Howell at running back. I don't know if he'll even be given the opportunity to really prove himself as a back. So he's going to have to do it maybe exclusively. And this this might just be me talking exclusively on special teams. Whereas Moore has this chance to be that fourth safety. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to keep four safeties. 
you can be that fourth safety and say, I'm in. You know, I'm the guy, and I can also play special teams like a baller because I led the team in special team stops last year. I think Jordan Akins is a guy that, that we talked about. John McClain brought him up a little while ago. In large part, the one thing I look at, Landry, a lot of times in training camp is opportunity opened the door who has stepped through it. And I think that Jordan Akins has done that because JT got hurt, I think, day two or day day three, I think. He got hurt inside, and we haven't seen him for a couple days. And Kyle Waring's been on uh, PUPNFI to start the year. So we haven't seen him in practice. We've just seen him working out. And Aikens looks like a total stud. So Aikens has stepped in and said, look, you drafted me in the third round. You drafted me three rounds ahead of Jordan Thomas. You drafted me a few spots ahead of where Kahali Waring was drafted. You guys believe in me, and now I'm going to make that pay off. And he's he caught everything. Sunday he made a catch going across the middle, a one-handed catch. And it was he was running literally right at me. And I see the ball, and I'm like, there's no way. And he just reached out one hand and just – it was not it was not like one hand pulled to the body and then secured. It was like one hand, snatch it, tuck it, get the first down. It was phenomenal. Then he caught a touchdown on the next play on a seam route. He's, I think it's been Jordan Akins to me, that one guy with opportunities opened that door even further for himself. I thought Lonnie did some good things early, but early now on, yep. nicked up, so we'll see how long that's going to take for him to get back. Because, look, he's going to make the club. The uh, you can't make the club in the tub expression does right. not apply to him. He's going to make the club, but he's got to find a way to get out there and get better because these reps are so valuable to him. So uh, there are numerous guys you could point to. I would say the two rookie linemen. I mean, they have really opened some eyes out here. And, you know, John McClain brought up Rankin. Rankin, I, you know, Rankin was drafted third round last year, but these guys being first and second round this year, yep. it's not flavor of the month either. They're really showing out. So good for them. It's early, but a good start for them. Yep. All right, Le'Veon Bell, yesterday he apologized to fantasy football owners for holding out last season. You guys both have to apologize to your fans for something you did last season uh, in 2018. Oh, I like this. Oh, wow. If I like it, I mean I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I really wanted some prep time if I was going to have to really Hey, I got to put you on the spot, me. Vandy. Okay, thinking, so we have to apologize for something we did last year? Yeah. Something you did in 2018, you have to apologize to the fans for. Well, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. Like, I'm always trying to do the perfect broadcast, and there's no such thing. So, that gives you the nature of my satisfaction level after mm-hmm. a broadcast. I'm, I'm usually, I'm, if I feel like I did a good job, that's, you know, I don't want to say it's rare, but I don't usually leave the booth saying that was great. I did a great job, and I'm thinking, well, that was pretty good, except for this, 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 and this. So yeah. I always want to apologize for this, 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 and this, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's basically what I'm thinking about here. I, I, I know one that I'll, I'll go with. I during training camp last year, I remember saying that. I remember saying that the offensive line would be better than it actually, than it turned out to be. It was, it was a tough year for the offensive line at points. I I thought watching the offensive line at the Green Bar, like, okay, I think secretly this line could be okay. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where they ran the ball, especially in the middle of the year, and I thought it was was okay. But just overall, it wasn't where I thought it would be. That would probably be the that would be the one thing. The other the other one would be, um, at uh. Yeah, that would that would be it. That would I be would it. Go with that. I, you know what I apologize for from the Greenbrier, talking about the weather a lot and how beautiful it yeah. was. Because boy, does that hurt when you're here in 95 degrees and we're up there and it's 70 and I'm putting on a fleece. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. 
Good question, Landry. Wow. I think. <laughs> All right, biggest uh, biggest bust in the AFC South this year. Uh, biggest non-Texans bust in the AFC South this player? year. Player? Uh, yes, biggest uh, biggest player bust. Could I interest you in Nick Foles, please? Could I interest you in Leonard Fournette? It's even yeah, a bust anymore, though. No, nah, I know, I know. I'm with you on that. He's already on. He's sliding um, down the hill already. Biggest bust. I, I feel like is Mariota I, qualifying? Yeah, for that's, this? that's what I was going to say. I mean, Mariota is the one that really, really uh, stands out. I would love for it to be T. Y. Hilton, but I don't think no, that's, that's going to happen. Case. He's already, you know, now, that would I'll be a give fall. You, I'll give you a candidate, and I, and I'm going to give you a candidate, and I know you're going to hear this and go, wait a second, Eric Ebron, Colts. Oh, that's a good one. And the reason I say that is Jack Doyle is back, and that's Andrew Luck's dude. He likes him some Jack Doyle. And if they've got Paris Campbell and they got Chester Rogers in the slot and they've got T.Y. already, I don't know how many two tight end sets they're going to want to go with. That They're going to feel like maybe that slows them down. So I, I think Ebron might get squeezed a little bit from what he was last year. He got all his opportunities because Jack Doyle wasn't on the field to get any of them. So Ebron can talk all his noise about, you don't cover 85 man-to-man. Yeah, well, you might end up being a bust because Jack Doyle's back, bro. Listen, I hate the Colts like poison. This is well-documented, yes. right? I like Chris Ballard. I met him at the owners' meetings. Yeah. I know you go back with him. But the way the Colts are showcasing the way they do everything, mm-hmm. if they don't have – if this draft class for them, this acquisition off-season period doesn't work out and out – and um, it costs them on the field, and they end up winning yeah. only eight or nine, and they miss it or just mm-hmm. squeeze in and don't do so. Hey, I'll be so happy. Not, and I won't be happy for him, obviously, right. because like you know, I I, I don't want it, you know bad things to happen to good people. But I, I do want bad things to happen to the Colts, though, Johnny. Yeah, it's very just much. Like, calm down, people. Relax. Find your little spot over there. That's. Kind of what I want to say to them. To the Colts? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, that was so cute. You're offseason yeah, and celebrating was, the was playoff so nice. win. You won, a, you won a February championship. Oh, wouldn't it I be would so love sweet? It. It's so I mean, I, there are many different levels of satisfaction in a football season, guys. But if the Texans are able to finish, <laughs> just finish ahead of the Colts and do better in the playoffs, <laughs> not that I'm bitter. Right. <laughs> but I'm bitter. Yeah. Okay. I want to see, go. obviously, the Super Bowl. But if uh, if I have to settle for something else, that might be nice. Anyway, go on. All right. It's the off day, so we know the players. Some of them are going there and getting treatment. Some of them are going up to NRG and watching tape. I'm going to ask you guys to tell me what you're doing on your off day after you get off the air. What is What do John Harris and Mark Vandermeer do on their off day? I will do an interview with Tex Ags. I will then go back and watch... Uh, a little bit more film on the Saints. I've been studying the Saints, kind of getting ready for the Saints, so I'll watch that. Uh, I have got the, I've got some Clemson tape that I want to go back and watch um, to find any more prospects that they have. They've got a pretty loaded squad this year on a number of different levels. So Sounds that's like a party. Woo! And then I will, uh, and then I'm gonna do laundry. I got to do laundry. That's definitely a party. All right. Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got an 11, 11 o'clock meeting on social media influencers. I got to work on the app, uh, the tap it. That's the play. Now, the pay as you go structure that's going to be built into the app yeah. for game day. Also, contesting through the app. I got to go over preseason satellite testing for the broadcasts on television. So, that lets you know that. I do some other things around here in addition to broadcasting. Yeah, listen, if we had been at the Greenbrier, 
It would be a different story. What we do with our day off? We'd go play hoops at the top of the mountain. Yes, that's what we did. We went (laughs) to the summit. That was our day off. That was our that was our traditional day off up at the Greenbriars. We would go up to the summit and we would play hoops up there. Today, you would have loved it. And I always, I always, all two years, the entire two years we were there, I played golf once each time, which was great though, being able to play once, and uh, that might have been today as well. Yeah, I played once. So not that we missed the Greenbrier or anything for various reasons. Yeah, I can't. I can tell among them. I yeah. can tell. Uh, the Texans playlist, it's, 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 it's a nice little mix. They got some Young Jeezy. They got some Gucci Mane. They got some Future. They got some country music. They had some Rolling Stones last weekend when they were in town. I'm going to let you guys make a playlist right now. You each get to pick th- uh, three songs each. So we'll start with Vandy, then John, then Vandy, then John, then Vandy, then John. Make a playlist okay. for tomorrow's practice. Go. Oh, they were playing back in the saddle yesterday, and everyone's goofing on me because that used to be our Texans training camp live open song, yeah. which is only, what, like a 45-year-old song? I Freaking love that though, Aerosmith. So, and look, if I'm doing the playlist, I'm putting all sorts of stuff like that. I'm going to put Zeppelin on there. I'm going to go nuts. So, I would put, uh, I would put Achilles Last Stand on the playlist because I would love it. I don't know if they would. Uh, I would put a little J Cole on there. Okay, okay. Would... You're 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 thinking of the players, unlike Vandy. I like it, John. Keep well, going. Me, me too. Um, I I want a little J Cole. You could mix in a little Travis Scott. I'm cool with that. I mean, Travis, a homeboy from Missouri City, so I'm cool with that. And you know what I also throw in? Because I always feel like whenever I hear Andre 3000 and Big Boy and Outkast, I always get hype. So Deshaun's from Atlanta. Outkast is from the ATL. Let's play a little uh, Let's play a little Outkast. Although Deshaun would probably tell us that Outkast is old school, just like he told us that Gucci Mane was old school. But I play a little Outcast as well. We'll do that for Deshaun, all the boys. That's from the oldies, man. No question yeah. about that. There you go. That is old stuff, as opposed to everything I'm recommending, which is right. new. Uh, but I'll go for Andre Ware right now. He would want his favorite song of all time is the Brothers Johnson "Strawberry Letter 23" from the 70s. It's fantastic soul stuff. Yep. And if I'm going to go 70s soul, I'll go the OJ's "Love Train." which was one of the greatest songs ever written. And if you listen to that song, it's impossible to be in a bad mood. If you're in a bad mood, put on the OJ's Love Train, and it'll get you going. They should put it on at practice because it'll definitely pick the guys up. I don't care how old you are. And if anybody plays Old Town Road by Nas X, I'm going to go over there and slap the iPhone out of his hand Why? and turn the music off. No. Play it already? No. Done. I'm done. That that was done with that song the first time I heard it. Like, you, oh, that was cute, and I heard it the next eight thousand times. No, why don't they play done, Brick done. House out there? By the way, that Land, would be fine. Landry, I, do you know what the brick? Good. Do you know what the Brick House test is? I have no idea. All right, wait. Are you married or forgot? No. Okay. Uh, if you have a girlfriend and I you're do. thinking of of, of a serious relationship, here's what you need to do. All right, and everybody okay. should be listening, and, and and many people have listened to me for years have really benefited from this. Jonesy's nodding right now. Uh, the Brick House <laughs> test is this. Uh, when you're in the car or in, in any moment where it's just the two of you, it's kind of quiet, you put on – or no, you don't put it on. You just say it. You say, she's a brick, and then lay out. Don't say anything. If she doesn't say house in some way, shape, or form – She's not a keeper. Dump her. Just get rid of her. Save yourself the trouble. The relationship's not going to work. She's not going to be worth it. There's no fun there. There's no joy. Maybe minimal amounts. It's not going to be worth your time. That's the brick house test, okay. and it never fails, all right? So try it, and I don't care how old the song is. Everybody knows the song. My 13-year-old knows the song. My 6-year-old can pass the brick house test. You can do it with your guy friends, too, in a way. Like, oh, I thought we were friends. Yeah. You're going to leave me hanging and don't say house? Where is your spirit? Where is your fun? She's a brick. Lay out. 
And if they don't say house, then that's it. It's over. Don't. It's over. Now, you could also go with the Sean Pendergast Buckcherry theory that if she doesn't know the words to Crazy B, then if she does know them, if she starts saying the lyric, then you get out of the car. Oh. You get out of the car. <laughs> that's that's Sean's, that's Sean's theory on that. So go look up Buck Cherry. Okay. And, and, yeah, you'll see the song. And if she knows the words to that, then you better run like hell. I've had people come up to me, like, at the movies and stuff, thanking me for the Brickhouse test. Yeah, it's a, like, it's a Mark, good one. Mark, you saved me a t- no, it's a good one. the trouble from a terrible yes. relationship. For all I know, I broke up, like, soulmates. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, no, you're, talking serious, to some, you're talking to somebody that broke up with somebody because I had to focus on baseball one summer when I was in high school. So. So look, I've I've heard it all, done it all. It's about commitment, John. It is absolutely. Landry, what do you got going on on In the Loop? Uh, we're going to revisit our interview with Whitney Merciless yesterday. John McClain said something that stuck out during y'all's show. We're going to take him to task because he says that the Texans are going to be adding a quote star to their active roster. So we're going to see if uh, what what he's basing that on, and and, and maybe uh, just try to uh, get a little bit of a grasp of that. Obviously, the Astros and the trade deadline, Justin Reed, all this other stuff. A lot of fun. 713-572-4610 to get in. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you very much for the dating advice. All right. See, there you go. I might be single tomorrow because I don't know if my girl is going to pass the Brickhouse test. Well, it'll be worth it. Will she pass the Buckcherry test? Uh, (laughs) No, I, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, I'm... Just saying, uh, if that, that song one. comes on and she's over there and she's lip syncing to it, you better run, <laughs> buddy. You better run and run fast. You better uh, do a Will Fuller out of that car. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. I haven't heard, thank you, Landry. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, so day off for the players. I just saw a bunch of them in the uh, in the cafeteria getting some grub and getting ready for meetings and things like that. I, well, meetings. I don't think they're meeting. <laughs> no, I think it's just informal stuff. They want to go watch film or yeah, that's get, uh, that's up to them, right? Yeah. This is a day off, no requirements. Yeah, but you know they come in. They, you know, here's it's the, highly encouraged to come in and do your regen. I, I, the guys legitimately like to be together too. Yeah, you know, not Very like they so. want to be in ninety five degree heat all the time, right. but, but they enjoy being together and, <laughs> and they're true. they're still getting that bonding done that they got done away from here at the Greenbrier. I think the camp. You know, we've documented, we've told you about. The scheduling and the outside, inside, outside, inside way they're doing it with that staggered yep. in the bubble, lots of time in there, and they're able to keep fresh, as fresh as possible under the circumstances. And hey, Sunday afternoon, they'll be in Wisconsin, so they'll be okay. Unless there's a heat wave there, then we'll get back to you about that. No, I'll be fine. All right, Texans All Access tonight at 6. Among other things, Joe Webb will be on the show. Also, Tashawn Gibson will be on the show. We'll have a lot of good stuff for you tonight. In the loop next, like Landry said, thank you, Jonesy, for producing. Thank you, John McClain, for coming on. Have a great day, and go Texans.